put on the Lord Jesus. I want to put on the Lord Jesus. I want to put him on any way he'll go. I want to, I don't want to take him off. I want to put off the flesh. I want to put off traditions. I want to put off meanness and personality disorders and short-tempered and frustration and anxiousness. I want to put all that off. I'm working that out. How about y'all? Y'all working that out? We're working that stuff off. We're putting stuff off so we can put stuff on. There's not room for both of them, so one, one of them's got to go. So we're putting on the Lord Jesus. And so we're talking about the new birth. Talking about the new birth. And the reason we're talking about the new birth, even though you've been in the new birth for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I've been longer than that. Uh, is because you have to know, you have to know who you are before you can know what you can have and what you can do. And that's, we, we just, you go, well, this is redundant. I know all that. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd know what to do and you'd know what you had. And we have not done that like we could and like we should. So we're going to go back and we're going we're gonna to scratch every little itch and uh, see if anything comes up. Like, I didn't know that. I think we'll do some stuff tonight that you may be surprised about. So turn with me in your Bible with, uh, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is our landmark scripture. Miss Wendy, do you have a Bible? All right. We got one if you didn't, but. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look in verse 17. Therefore. Okay, so he said some things and now he says, therefore. The conclusion, the summary, the end of this. If any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, if any child be in Christ, he, that one that's in Christ, is a new creature, King James says. Creation in other versions sometimes. Old things are passed away. It's not an option. It's not something that happens to some and not to others. Old things in the new creation are passed away. They are gone. They are gone. They are gone. Behold, all things are become new. So it's not enough just to clear the closet out. Take everything out, clear the closet out. You've got to put the stuff back in it. He said, the old stuff goes out, the new stuff comes in. I looked up the word become. All things are become new. That's a word you would take for granted that we know what that means. But actually the word become in the Greek means to cause to be generated. Generated. To cause to be generated. So all things are caused to be regenerated. Or not regenerated, excuse me, generated. All things are caused to be generated. So when you said yes to Jesus, are y'all here? Yes. When y'all said, when I said yes to Jesus, it was kind of a, it wasn't a drum roll. It wasn't a confetti event. It wasn't the band was playing. It could have been in your closet. It could have been in your room. It could have been in the church service. But at some point, when you said yes to Jesus in your own unique way, 
Not necessarily by a script of any kind. You just said, come into my life, Lord Jesus. I want you. I, I don't like who I have been, who I am, but I want to take the promises that says I can be a new creature, a new creation in Christ. When that happens, suddenly in the blink of an eye, actually it's in the twinkling of an eye. A twinkling is a tenth of a second. It's pretty fast. That's how fast the rapture is. Say, say I love you every day to somebody because it's not happening on that afternoon. <laughs> you're, it's like, boom, you're there. It, uh, uh, and then another translation said the word become. All things are become new. It means to come into being. It's a real general word. It's a verb, but it means to come into being. So the point being here that it's not something that upgrades. It's not the new birth is not something that we qualified for. That we got over the hump. We got good enough. We did something good enough. Oh, you are cute, cute, cute. I, I, if your mama don't, I'm taking you home, girl. <laughs> the Amplified says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ... He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. Say altogether. altogether. I mean, that means all of you. All of us. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Now, Romans chapter 8. Let me just read it to you. Well, do what you will. Romans chapter 8. It's right there. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh. Can we say it together in first person? But I am not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He's talking about the new birth. I am not in the flesh. So there's a transition. Something passed away and behold, all things became new. I changed. I was in the flesh. That's all I could be. I, I had no contact with my spirit was dead. My spirit was dead. Your spirit was dead. Crank that engine up. Well, I can't. The battery is dead. Well, just do something. We can't. It's dead. So he says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. So if you're born again, the spirit dwells in you. The Amplified says, but you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you. Well, he really does, doesn't he? So the Bible says I can say from one event, he's living in me. I ask him to come into my life. I, I got born again. Now I'm in the spirit. Y'all get that? Oh, sometimes I'm in the flesh. No, you're in the spirit. You may act like that. You may access access that. Now, I want to talk just a little bit for a few minutes tonight about falling from grace. I, I'm, I'm, we're just going to fix some stuff so that you'll always be fixed in this one little area. We're just going to fix it. I always go over it and say, well, you all know, and, you know, sometimes. And we're going to fall from grace. But now think about the anomaly of falling from grace. How did you get there? Well, you got there by grace. 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us, the word says, not by works of righteousness. So we got wherever we got. We got born again by grace. So people that'll say, do you believe you can fall from grace? I talk to them all the time. Well, yeah, I believe you can fall from grace. Well, how did you get in grace? Well, not by works. Well, how are you going to fall from grace? By works, bad works, needless works. Oh, you didn't get there by works, but you can lose it by works. And if you're born again, it says you're in the spirit. So you're trying to tell me you can fall from grace by something in the flesh, something you do with your body. I drank too much. I smoked it. I, I ran around with those girls or whatever, whatever people do that think that you fell from grace. You get there. Do you get there by what you did in the flesh, even though you didn't get there? by the flesh. How do you get out of that by the flesh? Think about that. That's just for a moment. If we don't fall from grace by works, would that be right? We don't fall from grace by lack of goodness, and we don't fall from grace for lack of righteousness. He, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We were made, not put on, not a coat that slips off sometimes. We were made the righteousness of God. How righteous is that? The same righteousness as the Lord Jesus. And so you would have to believe that we somehow attained an elite status of some kind, kind of a pope or a bishop or an apostle or a prophet status, or maybe just an underling under there, that says, well, now I'm going to heaven because I'm elite. I used to be an old sinner saved by grace or whatever, but now I, 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 I got good. I got qualified because now I'm good and I'm qualified. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I'm going to heaven. Why are you going to heaven? Well, because I'm saved. Well, how'd you get saved? Well, I got good enough. Because that's the only way you can think it. If you can get bad enough to lose it, you have to think you got good enough to gain it. All right, we're, okay, we're thinking right here. So the only way you can get disqualified in this realm of thinking is to backslide. In other words, you were saved, you were good enough, you were righteous enough, but suddenly you've backslid. What's backsliding? Well, it's doing bad things, doing unqualified things. It doesn't even have to be devil worship or, or corrupting people. It, it can be just whatever people think. I'm backslid. I, I don't know God anymore. I used to be saved, but I used to go to heaven, but now I, I'm living a sordid life or whatever. Whoa, whoa, the same way you go is the same way you fall. Or do you fall? Only Christianity, only Christianity believes that believers are filled with the same nature as their God. Only us. We're the only ones that do not bow down at idols and bring them fruit and sacrifice and beat ourselves and, and stuff like that to please our demon God. We have a God that not only does he not expect that, he gives us his very own nature. He makes us like him. That's not heard of anywhere. And even in Christianity, it's not spoken of much. 
Think about that. You talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, whatever, that, and they'll, they'll start telling you that you can fall from grace, you can be backslid, and you can lose your place. Our, our neighbors next door believe that. So I looked up the only way that you can be disbarred or disqualified from once saved, always saved. That's a popular doctrine, the Baptist spouse. I can tell you it's right, but they believe it for the wrong reason. But they get it right. So turn with me to Hebrews. Can we spend just a few minutes here tonight nailing this down? I want to nail it down before we go any further. I want you to know how it is so much that you could explain it to anybody. Okay, we're going to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Now, so the argument about against what I've just said is that you can't fall from grace, that you got there by grace and believing, faith, faith that worketh by love. Uh, uh, what does it say in Ephesians? That uh, uh, by faith or by grace are you saved through faith. There it is. By grace are you saved through faith. So we know it's grace. So you got to say, can you fall from grace? Is there something you could do that was so terrible? Well, actually there is. And we need to know what it is. And we need to nail this into our heart to say, I wonder if I've ever crossed that line. Because if you have, you can lose your salvation. But I'll say up front, nobody in this room ever has even come close. If, if, if there's a ditch... We've always straddled the middle stripe. So it says in chapter 6, it addresses this. It's the only place. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened. So it's talking about the new birth, isn't it? Wouldn't y'all accept that? It's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Wow, that's quite a little list. It's not like I looked at a woman one time and, oh, I slid all the way to the hellfires. Maybe not. If they, fall, if they shall fall away, to, it's impossible if they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Why? seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. To put him to an open shame. Let me read it to you in the Passion. It is impossible to restore an apostate. Would you say that word with me? Apostate. I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I looked it up in an American dictionary, English dictionary, and it means to abandon, someone that abandons his faith. It means someone that is a defector, a defector. It means it's someone that is a dissenter. An apostate is a dissenter. It's someone that is a heretic, heretic. It is someone that is renegade, a renegade. If you are apostate, you are a renegade. If you are an, a, a, an apostate, you are a traitor. All of these are the first tier words, translations or, or definitions of the word apostate. So it's impossible to restore an apostate for once a person has come into God's light and 
tasted the gifts of the heavenly realm and has received the Holy Ghost. Oh, the Passion says this about having received the Holy Ghost. It, meant, it says, he said it meant has been in a business partnership with him. Do you know anybody that, that got filled with the Holy Ghost one time and they never visited it again? They just, they got it. You got it. I, you, you, you spoke in other tongues and you got it. And then you talk to them in three days and they're just like, what? I didn't get anything. What are you talking about? I, nothing happened to me. That's not a business. What is it here? Uh, business partnership with him. That's not that, is it? That's not a casual denier. You, you were just the, the light was green and you were stopped and feasted and feasted on the good word of God feasted and has entered into the power of the age that is breaking in has entered into the power of the age that is breaking in. This bar is getting higher. Do you all hear that? If he abandons his faith, if he abandons his faith, apostate, there is no use in even trying to lead him to repentance. By their sin of apostasy, they re-crucify re the Son of God. So there is a way to go from saved to hell. The Weast says it is impossible in the case of those who have been once for all enlightened and have both tasted of the heavenly gift and have become companions of the Holy Spirit, willingly, it describes that, willingly being led along towards the act of faith in the pre-salvation work of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God. Are y'all getting this? Also the powers, the miracles of the age that is about to come. Okay, I'm up here. The powers, the miracles of the age that is about to come and have fallen away again to be renewing them to repentance, crucifying to themselves the Son of God and putting him to open shame. Y'all see how high that bar is? It's, 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 it's not, you can't even see this bar. Now I'm positive that over the millenniums, that since this was written, there have been people that entered into that. But I'm promising you as well, you don't know any of them. You don't know, you are and aren't, and you don't know any of them. The Rotherham says, and have tasted God's utterance to be sweet and the mighty works of a coming age. Whew, that's a high bar. Why? Some Christians haven't even got there to fall from it. He's yeah, like, what's he talking about? You have to have been there and, and lived there, imbibed there, soaked up there, took up your dwelling there, and then changed more than your mind. The Phillips says, who have known the wholesome nourishment of the word of God and touched the spiritual resources of the eternal world. You know, I'm making a case here. The Williams says, since they continue to crucify the Son of God to their detriment. The Goodspeed says, for they crucify the Son of God on their own account. The TNC, the 20th century says, and exposing him to open contempt. 
There's some mean people out there. There's some devil-possessed people. And so you, you might could find someone that had that hit that high bar and then went to, the, went to the pit. But it's nobody you know. The Berkeley says, uh, and are exposing him to public disgrace. The Beck says, and hold him up for mockery. The NEB says, and making mock of his death. The Apologetics version says, and who have fallen away because to their own harm, they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. It's hard to even say these words. It's hard to even talk about mocking the death of Jesus. The Passion, the footnote in the Passion, you all know how the Passion has footnotes and Dr. Simmons says, you know, the, the Aramaic and the Greek and the, you know, whatever he says. Well, I looked at one and it says, he said, it is impossible to crucify the Son of God again for them to change their minds seeing they have made a public spectacle of him insulting the Son of God. You got to be brazen to have heard these things, lived these things, been in these things, and then insult the Lord Jesus. It's one thing to get uninterested, to get bored, to, to go your way. You'll still go to heaven. I mean, based on this set of... We don't like it. We want justice. We want people that, that uh, we're, we're, we're walking in the light as he's in the light. We're doing right. We want everybody to do that. It's just that if I'm having to keep myself clean and right and good, that everybody should. And we don't like the brother in the Lord that's sitting on the couch and not doing anything for Jesus and is snotty and, and mean and, 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 and arrogant and all those things. We don't like them going to the same reward we get. That's just the human nature. But the remedy to that is that all of us get our ticket punched at the new birth, but the rewards of what you did, how you kept yourself and what, how you possessed yourself, the rewards are on the other side of the new birth. You have to be born again no matter how many good things you did. So many good things. Just was a saint and just served and did, but you weren't born again. You can't get in. You can't get in. You don't get in. But if you are a slug and just got in, I mean, you, you got born again, genuine, and then you went through life and you, you just, you were a slug. And we all look at you and say, what a slug you are. We didn't even know you were born again. There is a justice, there's a righteousness that what you've done, what I've done, what we've all done is rewarded openly on the other side. So the Lord gathers up all of his family, but like every family, there, there's them that love mom and daddy and them, them that never come home. And it's all rewarded or it's all meted out on the other side. So the new birth is a spiritual transaction. And it cannot be defined by works of the flesh. If you think that you did it in the flesh, that you got born again by the flesh, well, they told me if I go down there and just tell the preacher, I want Jesus in my heart. And so I went down there and quoted, I had it on a piece of paper. I want Jesus to come into my heart. Well, probably you're not born again, are you? Because it's a work of the spirit. 
A lot of times there's weeping. A lot of times there's contrition. There's a, a repentance. I am a sinner. I am hopelessly lost and I'm without remedy. Nothing I can do can, can solve the hole that's in my heart and the aching that's in my life. It's a spiritual exercise, a new birth. Some people are more emotional than others and that adds on, but it's not emotions that get you born again. It's, it's a spiritual transaction. So therefore, a spiritual transaction has to be met with another spiritual transaction and Hebrews tells us, but it's not even close. I am just, I'm highly impressed of how safe you and I are. When we mess up, when we say naughty words, or when we don't have, we have a bad attitude, or we don't walk in love, or whatever people do that sets the bar for them that says, I've missed the mark, I've sinned, I'm going to repent of that. It's not an upgraded sinner. The new birth is not an upgraded sinner. You cannot upgrade a sinner to get born again. There's no upgrade available. You have to start over. You have to just clean the slate and start over. So here we are, the only faith, the only religion, as it were, I hate that word, you do too, but the only faith that, that will fill us with the same nature as our God, as our Father. The same nature that makes Him God. What makes God God? Well, it's his life. The word calls it, it's translated in the Greek, zoe, Z-O-E, with a hoodie pop on it. But it's, that's, that's what makes God God. What, what is the distinguishing factor? Well, he lives a long time. Well, we're going to live a long time. Amen. Well, he's good. Well, in Christ Jesus, we are. So what makes him unique? What, what is the distinguishing factor of God himself? The word says that it's Zoe life. Turn with me, if you would, to John 5, 24. Don't ever, 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 listen to me, church, don't ever let the devil tell you that you're one of his. Don't ever fall for it. You go, I never would do that. You don't know the pain that some people go through and the despair that they enter into. The hopelessness they endure. And so that's why we're teaching this tonight. You can, you can walk somebody out by reading them Hebrews 5.24. That's not you. That's not you. Look at the bar here that has to be uh, eclipsed for you to lose your salvation. God loves you and we are all going to be with him. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. No, I said there's no doubt. Matter of fact, if you're talking to someone about these things, they are definitely not these things. They, they are so full of the devil, so full of, of, of evil they're not going to let you sit around and console them. John 5, 24. Let's see where we are. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that heareth my word, the Lord Jesus said, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. The word there in the Greek is the word 
Zoe, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. But here it is. But is passed from death into life. Has passed from Thanatos into Zoe. That's what happened at the new birth. You passed from death, the absence of life. In this case, it's not that the, the power of death was beating on you. It was in the vacuum. Unless you have life, same thing with light and darkness. If light is taken out, what do you get? The default is darkness. And so if there's no life in anything, then by default, it's death. And you and I were, we were, we were full of death after the age of accountability. We're born alive unto God. We're born alive unto God. All babies go to heaven if they leave the earth. All babies, all young people, until you, you reach the age of what we call the age of accountability, where you know what sin is. You have a conviction. I did wrong. Well, then at that age, you've got to get born again. But until then, we're born alive unto God. He said uh, uh, in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have, say it with me, life. Why did you come, Lord Jesus? I am come that they might have life. Zoe. What kind of life is that? The life of the Father. The Lord would say later, he said, the life that's in me. The life of the Father is in me, and I am here to bring you the life of the Father to be in you. You're going to pass from death unto life. And that's why you can't lose your salvation, is because we are, we are passed, we are transacted out of death, we are transacted into life. Now our flesh is screaming and squalling and carrying on about, I want to be worldly. Y'all know what I'm talking about there on that little, that little. <laughs> we ever had any worldly flesh like, oh yeah, I, I think so. But that doesn't change. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost and we, once you're born again, you're born again because we are sealed. Adam was not sealed. So he, he was the first man that got born again. He got born out of light into darkness, out of, de out of life into, li into, into death. Because he was not sealed, but we're sealed. We'll talk about that another time. And Amplified says, I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Let's put on some of that life. Let's believe the word that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's believe the word that says, as he is, as the Lord Jesus is, so am I right now. Not going to be someday. It's work. God's working in me. He's not finished with me. He's working in me. No, he's not. He worked in you. We are, we are partakers of the finished work. It's done. All that God can do for you, he did for you when you opened the door and said, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He came in full force. He said, well, we have a little contract here that when you fulfill this, well, then, you know, we'll, we'll send the accessories. Nope, we got it all. Everything that heaven has is in you. Well, how come I don't feel like it? Ah, that's where faith comes in, isn't it? We have to walk by faith. The word says we live by faith, not by sight, by the senses. So we have to believe it. We have to activate it. We have to act like what the word says is true.
Praise God. The New Living says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How about y'all and how about we all just let the Lord have his way? Well, Lord, we're just going to let you have your way to bring us a rich and satisfying life. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to quit obstructing justice. I'm going to start quit coming up with crazy traditions of men, negative excuses. All excuses are negative, but I'm going to quit saying why I can't have a long and full and satisfying life. And I'm going to agree with heaven. I, life happens when good life happens when we agree with heaven. Until then, you're you're struggling. You're on the devil's side and he's kicking your self down the road. Hallelujah. The we said I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in superabundance. That's quite a Greek word if you look it up. The Phillips says far more life than before. So there's a legal side and then there's the the action side. The legal side sets the back door that you can't go past this. So if the legal side says uh, you can just have this much life or you sometimes God wants to put sickness on you to show you and teach you a lesson. If you believe that, that God has a back door or a, or a wall, then that's the, that you can't go further than that. No matter how you activate your faith, you have to stay within the legal boundaries. But he said, I've come that they wouldn't be any legal boundaries. I've come that you can have it all. That every door is open, every window is up. You can have everything that God's got for you as a, as a son, as a child of God. So well, where is it then if it's legal? You have to activate it, don't you? You have to believe the legal to activate it into your life. So when sickness comes or when lack comes, and it does, we're in this world. The Lord doesn't say, I'm going to teach you a lesson and hold your paycheck back or kill your husband or dry up your job. He doesn't do that. Why would he do that? Why? He said, I've come that you might have life. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus said? Isn't that what he said? Isn't that what he said in the Bible? I have come that they might have life and have it to overflow. So then why would we contradict that and say, well, you know, the Lord, you never know what he's going to do. Sure you do. Sure you do. We know exactly what he's going to do. We know exactly what he's going to do every time. Jesus said in this same chapter, he said, my sheep hear my voice. We're not dummies on an island. The only news we get is in a bottle that rolls up on the beach. We know because we have the Holy Ghost, the very one that's in heaven. The Holy Ghost is in me. And in you. You think he's talking in there? No. If you'll ask a question, he will answer it. There's nothing going on between your father and you that he's withholding. He'll tell you anything that you got faith to ask. That's bold. So the life that God brings is not one of duration, like he, everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have 
everlasting life. Well, we've said, well, okay, the life that God brings is long life. We're going to live a long time in heaven. And that is certainly true. But that's not what the word means. The word is actually translated not uh, 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 everlasting life, long life, but it's translated the life of the father, his life. So there's a quality of life that's imparted that's more enduring or more prominent than the length of it. God's not going to say, you know, I'm getting old and this thing's getting tiresome to me. I'm checking out. He lives forever and we have his life in us and we live forever as well. So this life, you, you, family, we can't get our head around it. This is one of those things where you just have to believe it because you can't understand it. I mean, really, we can't understand it with our head. So we just believe it. We just accept it that this kind of life that God has. Do you all believe God has a good life? That he's getting all his ways, that he always gets his way. <laughs> I mean, con uh, concerning his word, that is his way. He gets his way because his way is always the word. But he has the ultimate, the utmost life. Let's have two scriptures and we'll quit. First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, and then we'll quit. Because we... We got a mouthful tonight. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again. Are you born again this evening? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? Have you got the life of God in you? The everlasting life. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What is the incorruptible seed? What is the incorruptible seed that we're born again by? He said, by the word, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the nature of our birth tells us the nature of our life. Liveth and abideth forever. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. You're in the neighborhood. Just slip over there to verse 4. We're just going to nail it down. I know y'all know this. I know you know all of this. You could get up here and teach it. But not. Not tonight. Wherefore, for, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. How many of y'all know that if you just said God gave us his promises, it would be pretty great, pretty precious. But he said it in the word. Why? Why did he give us exceeding great and precious promises? That by these promises, ye or I might be partakers of, say it with me, the divine nature. Let's say it again. The divine nature. So the legal side is the promises. The, the active side is when I believe the promises. When I mix my faith, when I mix my born again, regenerated spirit with the word of God, the very word that birthed me, the incorruptible word that birthed me. And then it says that we might be partakers of the divine nature. So there it is. We're not just good. 
Well, one day I got good. I finally put away my foolish stuff. I quit doing this and I quit doing that. And I started doing this and started going to church that. And so one day I got saved. One day I, I, I got saved. But doggone, I hate to tell it, my testimony's kind of charred. Ten years later, I, I backslid and I started doing this and doing that and didn't go to church and whatever. And so I got unsaved. Well, this is not a true statement. There's lots of things going on there and backsliding is real and it's not a small deal and the wages of sin is death. And so when we do sin, when we do backslide, trouble is waiting. It's waiting. But heaven is still there too. Don't confuse judgment or consequences for what we do in sin with eternal judgment. They're not connected. One is how you get in the flesh. The other one is what you did and got sealed by the Holy Ghost. So it says that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is where? In the world through lust, through the flesh. So it's good news. We got it. Now, some people would say, we would, they would say, well, since, since I'm born again and I can't, I can't get unborn again, I'm going to live like the devil. Well, first of all, if you know that, you're not going to live by the devil. I mean, just knowing that would preclude that. But what we just said was the wages of sin is death. If you backslide consciously, and we all have, We have all believed the lie that says, I'm going to do it anyway, and then just ask the Lord to forgive me. Don't tell me. I've never thought that. Uh, we, we're going to think higher of you and just say, yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. You know, whether it was actually a full-born, grown thought or just a... But anyway, yeah, we've all been there. But it didn't change our relationship with God. The Bible says that he, He's in us Therefore, he will not deny himself. It's one thing to say, I'm way over here and you're over there. And y'all just do your thing over there and I'll do my thing over here and I'm over here. He's in us. He's in us over there. And he said, I'm not denying me. No matter how rough you get, I'm not denying me. You're born again. My spirit lives in you. We're good. I'm going to use the Holy Ghost to convict you. I'm going to send people into your life. I'm going to send the word into your life to change you, to hone you out, to get you straightened up. He's always pulling on us to do better, to grow up. The, the word is grow up. He's always just like you did your kids. And maybe you're still doing. <laughs> Who knows? He's a good father. He doesn't throw us out for an indiscretion on our part. He knows where the flesh is weak. He knows. It is. There's no excuse, but it is true. The flesh is weak. So, yay. Well, amen. Look at all the traffic we get here. Hallelujah. Don't let them in unless you get them born again, Joey. Hallelujah. Well, amen. Well, amen. We're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings.